starve your distraction. Feed your focus. Anon. He's kind of crazy. She's a little insane. Keeping energy really messes with his brain. One is divorced. The other's husband is dead. That's why it's so messed up in the head. It's a Silver Linings Playcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Silver Linings Playcast. I'm your host, Jamie Ward, and this is, as far as I know, the only podcast solely devoted to talking about Silver Linings Playbook, the movie, and the Silver Linings Playbook, the book. In a twist of ironic fashion, before we actually get into what we are going to get into today, and let me tell you, it is a good one. Uh, I want to take a little aside to address the whole notion of distraction and this weird thing about, like, I have not been super on track with uh, the Silver Linings Playbook content. We've been doing content, but we haven't exactly been doing Silver Linings Playbook-eccentric content as I might have liked. Now, we're totally okay with that here at the podcast, and I don't know why I'm talking about myself in, uh, like, a, a third plural person. We, it's just the way I feel like podcasters talk, right? Uh, but anyway, um, well, okay, wait, actually, before I start that, for one, I think it's actually really important to address the fact that uh, I'm not going to be talking about uh, the what Mardi Gras is. The reason I'm not talking about that is you might know that I am recording this from uh, Louisiana. I've been living in Louisiana. This is where... where uh, I am now, and it was Mardi Gras, which is a huge, huge uh, holiday here, um, and I, I was very interested into the history of it. Like, I think people uh, know of it outside of the Louisiana area, but there are uh, a lot of traditions. It, it comes from somewhere, okay? It's not actually just, just a stupid, drunken revelry opportunity for people. Like, that is, it, it becomes that, but that is what is portrayed, but is actually sort of a, a real fun and important holiday here that is mired in uh, mythology, uh, religious backgrounds, and uh, there's, so there's, there's a lot more personality to it than what people think about it when, and, and so, anyway, uh, uh, building up to it, has been a lot of the reason why I've been so busy and not able to, one of the reasons that I have not been able to devote as much time as I've wanted to have quality episodes of the podcast lately. But what I wanted to talk about was the distractions, and so I've had a, I had a wonderful, wonderful con conversation uh, with one of my good buddies, former guest, uh, previous guest, sometimes current guest, and hopefully future guest on the podcast, uh, Mr. Nick Casano. You can definitely check out some of my favorite episodes that uh, involve him. And he and he's been doing a fun thing. He's been giving me like three minute phone messages the week after, on the uh, um, a little after I post the podcast, and been giving me like recaps or analysis. We were even joking about maybe turning it into a, a bit, uh, a segment on the podcast, which I would absolutely love to do. Nick, if you're listening to this, want, uh, I would definitely love to. Um, Maybe do that in the future. I know you're really busy, but if you could do like a five minute, like a three to five minute, that any, not important. Okay, that's not the point. The point of this was that he and I had a conversation about what this podcast is, what it is, and I think we we all know anybody that's been listening, like we we know what this is and we know what it isn't. Um, and then I was thinking about it. I was like, do do we though? Do we really? And part of, part of the important part about this is I, I definitely want it to be funny. I think anybody that knows me knows that I am a comedian outside of this podcast. And yes, this podcast was created because I thought it was based on a funny idea. It was sort of started as a joke that, be, that was, uh, that got a little out of control as far as like, how far are you going to take this? And I'm like, I'm going to take it all the way. And here we are at episode 89, 88 weeks running of doing this, um, but this is the real important part. I think it's really started to become something. I'm not sure it is where I want it to be yet. I'm not sure it is what I want it to be fully. But we've had a really interesting journey on our way here. And I love where it is and I love to see where we're going. Now, uh, Nick had pointed out to me, he was sort of like, I, I think um, that like, he, was, he was pointing out that the thing that he loved about this was that it sort of, 
I get distracted. Uh, and then we go off on tangents. And I love that. And I love that that is a thing that Nick, you enjoy about it. Uh, because one, it is very, one, it's the easiest way for me to do it is to do things the way my brain already wants to do them. The issue that arises with that being brought to my attention is now I get worried like, oh no, will the, will the integrity of the content that I was doing, which was a very low, low standard already. Let's be honest, this is not a good podcast, <laughs> right? Um, but if, you know, I'm one of those people that like, once I become aware of what I'm doing, it becomes hard because then I start like playing into it. I'm like, oh no, um, am I going to try to just make this the wackiest, weirdest thing ever? Like, I'm, uh, and, and so I thought that was why it's important to sort of call out what, what has been observed this is, because I think if you learn an improv, that is one of the best ways to sort of clear the air. I wanted to acknowledge it. I wanted to say it's wonderful that that's what it's been, and if that's how people see it, if that's how you see it. Um, thank you. Good. I'm glad. I hope, I hope that that means something to you. And what I would say to myself in this moment is, uh, have, have I been doing this as authentically as I want? And I'm, I think, yes. I think that 95% of this podcast is me uh, creating something as if I had no one to answer to, because honestly, I have no one to answer to as far as this podcast, um, goes. I have at different points during the podcast, but ultimately we are unsponsored. We are free. We don't make any money. We don't have a Patreon. We don't have any sponsors. The only thing we have to do is not do anything illegal or, or in violation of Podbean's, which is where I host this. Uh, again, not sponsored, but but uh, hosting on the Podbean server, not not breach their terms of service. And I think I think we've done that. Now the second part, and this is the harder part, because this is like a deep philosophical thing. Can can I now be authentic going forward with? with what I felt like this podcast was starting to become with the knowledge of what it is. Be, you see, because the whole, the whole podcast, and, and I'm already, I feel like I'm already both succeeding and failing at this, right? Because I do have a script for this week. And when I talk about a script, it's not, it's not written out dialogue of what I'm saying, but it's like a, it's like an outline of the different things we had to cover. And boy, do we have a lot of things to cover. And I did a lot of research for it. So it's like, I want to get to that. And in my head, I was like, Hey, I am going to do a 30 second declaration about this conversation that I had with Nick, what it made me think about the podcast and how I was going to try to be authentic to it. And and now we're already at the eight minute mark, which is making me concerned about how much of the content we're going to get in because, uh, just knowing myself, I know we have not burned through lists as fast as I wanted or things. And I try to keep this at about an hour, but then also, am I already honoring that commitment to be exactly what we always have been, which is me saying what's happening in the moment, even if I plan something sort of improv, yes, and let it go that direction that the podcast may, might take. So yes, in this moment, I am already succeeding and failing at trying to be present doing this podcast as authentically as we always have done. So I guess, I guess we'll just see. I guess we will see going forward. And if, if you feel that I am playing too much into, I'm not, I'm not ever going to tr no I'm saying I'm I'm going to backtrack on this I'm going to do my best to focus on the content and I feel like if I focus on the content uh and not how I say it cuz like I'm not scripting the words I'm going to say that part's been me that's always been me that's what this podcast is and why I feel like this podcast is almost the most me thing that's that's ever existed that I've created. So hopefully, hopefully, uh, it will be, you know, authentic, good. Maybe we'll even pick up the quality one day, but not into, let's, let's jump super back into what we were trying to do, which we were counting down a list of the top 50. And this is exactly what Nick had, had brought up too. He's like, it wouldn't it be funny if you, um, like, this is the funniest joke. This is the long 
running joke now, longest running in the course of of an 89 episode podcast, that you've been trying to list uh, a list of 50 movies and um, so far have not <laughs> completed that list. So right now, I think this is that opportunity to sort of break through that mental barrier I was having where I was saying, I'm going to try to play in and, and uh, uh, you know, be what I, I think he's now expecting, what I feel like our listeners are now expecting. And the, the best thing I can do to break out of that is to say, no, I don't think, I don't think we're going to make it through the full list this week. I'm going to try to knock out the whole thing next week. We are going to start off with the list, knock out a couple Hopefully, I mean, I don't know. We only have, we have 17 more. That's not that many. We did the first 25 in the first episode, which I thought was going to be half an episode. And I think we're going on the fourth week now. Maybe we will. But looking at, again, that 30 seconds where I was going to be like, ah, my buddy told me this. I'm getting repetitive now. Let's just start. We were on old dogs and we're not going to go back over old dogs. That if I was trying to be funny now... Now this is this episode is becoming a me deconstructing uh, my comedy identity mentally as I'm talking. It's like I'm I'm having like an extreme comedic existential breakdown moment, um, and it kind of it's kind of like my own Matrix moment. It's sort of like blue pill red pill moment. Like do do I want to acknowledge what I truly am? And the comedian in me is like the funniest thing to do would be to just make up some stuff to talk about old dogs and get get on a tangent and go with it. Um, the part of me that's like, again, this is the most authentic product that I've ever created. It's like, no, just knock them out, Jamie. Knock them out really quick and move on. And then start start working. If you ever want this to be a good podcast, if you ever want to create content that matters, you're going to have to start creating more content instead of getting hung up on the exact same content that wasn't even that good to start with. You're also reading somebody else's content. Saw 5 is a 2008 movie starring Scott Patterson and Costas Mandalore and Tobin... Oh my goodness, I didn't even think about this this might be amazing let's do some research i did research on so much stuff but i wasn't prepared for for literally this and it was exactly what okay this is this is genuine shock and surprise of me not paying attention this is one of those fun little it's like the the bob ross happy accidents thing so I just found the most amazing thing that is making me so happy about this list, right? While I'm looking at it, and this has nothing to do with... I seriously spent... I spend several hours doing research for what I'm going to talk on my podcast, and then I just systematic... I, I like clockwork, throw it out the window as soon as I hit that record button, which is kind of like me in a comedy contest. Anyway, um, Scott Patterson? Do you know who Scott Patterson was? Scott Patterson is Luke... From Gilmore Girls, one of my favorite shows, uh, one of my favorite characters. I find him extremely relatable. He is someone that like has feelings, but it doesn't isn't isn't good at expressing them. He was a, he, the actual actor Scott Patterson was a baseball professional baseball player for a while. None of this being the research. This is just stuff I know. I could have a whole Gilmore Girls podcast. Imagine if I had a Gilmore Girls podcast. That would be kind of amazing, because there are six. Seasons and uh, four, three, three movies, three feature-length movies uh, about. Are there four? I think there's four. There's the seasons. Uh, I know there's. I know there's any. So, um, instead of having one podcast over a two-hour movie with 80, 89 episodes, I could have had 89 episodes of a TV show that actually had closer to 80-hour uh, episodes. Um, it was a CW... Not talking about Gilmore Girls. Anyway, Scott Patterson was in Saw 5. I didn't realize that. I never paid attention to Saw 5. I think I've seen all the Saw movies. Uh, it got a Rotten Tomatoes audience score of 6.8 out of 10. IMDb audience rating of 5.8 out of 10. Uh, Rotten Tomato critic rating, 2.9 out of 10. That is one of the lower Rotten 
tomato critic uh, ratings, if I can remember off the top of my head, which is why I also don't. Okay, so actually this is a perfect tie into the research that I actually did for this week because I was saying I, I wanted to talk about Silver Linings Playbook. Um, I did kind of an amazing thing. We will get to this. We will get to the fact of what I did today, which was amazing and Silver Linings Playbook related, but I got to get to this research first because this is part of it. I'm, this is me not playing into tangent. This is me dropping the facade and, and just being exactly honest with, uh, with what is going on. I'm not going to pretend like, oh, I, I somehow segued into this because I'm not playing a character on this podcast. This podcast is seriously just my, my love letter to Silver Linings Playbook, the movie, the Silver Linings Playbook, the book by Matthew Quick, the film being by David O. Russell. Um, he directed it and wrote the, adapted the screenplay, which is kind of weird that I think they, they say that the, no. okay, so what I was saying is I don't know why I created this next list. But we're going to take a slight detour uh, on purpose. And we're going to go over Werner Herzog's five favorite documentaries. Part of the reason I remember, so I have a script every week that I bring up that I'm reading off of with my notes about what I want to talk about every week. And this week, for some reason, uh, I always, instead of starting a new Word file, I cut and paste last week's. And when I brought it up, at a Grizzly Man was one of... There was some reason in why I needed to talk about Werner Herzog. Um, we're not going to talk about who Werner Herzog is, because I think we might have done that already, and if we didn't, uh, I don't know, and I don't know if he knows. And if you watch his movies, you'll know he's trying to find it. But, but this is a list, according to uh, Far Out Magazine, which is a United Kingdom magazine. It is an online magazine. It's been around since 2010. It was started by Lee Thomas Mason. Thomas Mason being hyphenated. It's by Lee. He was the founder. Lee Thomas Mason. I don't I don't know if the hyphen makes you actually have to pronounce it like one word. It's just because all those names could be a first name. I'm saying the last two a little faster because so, it's hyphenated, so you know it's one word. Lee Thomas Mason. Founded in 2010. Now, uh, this is where I'm getting the list of Werner Herzog's five favorite documentaries. Um... Now, now the, the thing that I find so fascinating about this list, it's not uh, Werner Herzog's documentaries. It's what does the filmmaker Werner Herzog, what are his five favorite documentaries to watch? And it's going to surprise you. We also talked last week about um, checking your sources. So I, I, wanted to, I wanted to make sure, and it's going to be in the show notes, uh, links to the list because I I personally have never heard of Far Out Magazine. Something very interesting about Far Out Magazine when I did a little research, Far Out Magazine is not a tomato meter approved publication, right? So the the film reviews don't automatically count towards the critic reviews in Rotten Tomato ratings which is really fascinating to me. I did not even know that there was a breakdown of this. Here's, here's the super interesting part though. Film critic Monica Reed, that's R-E-I-D, Reed, um, is an approved film critic for, for um, tomato meter approved review, reviewers. They call her a tomato meter approved reviewer. So when Monica Reed rates a movie in Far Out magazine, it does count to the critic, the critic's rating, but she does not all. So then I had to look up uh, Monica Reed to see if, the, like, I was curious, like, why is this person, uh, you know, is, is she valid? Is she just the longest running? I'm going to give you a list of some of her recent ratings uh, according to Rotten Tomato. These are her, her critic Rating scores. This is not chrono. It, it's it's chronological, reverse chronological, but it's also not extensive. She rated a lot more movies than I put in here. I am just mentioning ones that I have either seen myself, so that I have some feeling about, or that I um, have heard about, or I have feelings about as well. 
like I try to mention every A24 film that I know. I'm not sure why. I just really, like a lot of us, uh, we've been fanning out over A24 films. Okay, so some of Monica Reed's recent reviews that were Rotten Tomato worthy. Don't look up a, 21, a, a 2021 film. She gave three out of five tomatoes. Stars. Uh, which I think is fair. Um, we're going to try to sort of figure out who is Monica Reed as a critic and do, do we think that she is tomato meter worthy according to Silver Linings Playcast standard, right? Okay, so don't look up. The Power of the Dog, 2021. She gave four out of five. Derek Delgadio's In and of Itself, 2020. She gave that four out of five. Promising Young Woman, 2020. She gave 4.5 out of five. First Cow, 2019 film, she gave 4.5 out of 5. Vivarium, a 2020 film, she gave uh, 3 out of 5. Parasite, a 2019 film, she gave 5 out of 5. The Lighthouse, a 2019 film, she gave 5 out of 5. Joker, the 2019... I feel like I've been saying this wrong, too. I should have been saying the year and then the movie. The 2019 film, Joker, 5 out of 5. The 2019 film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, she gave 4.8 out of 5. Uh, Green Book, a 2018 movie. I did not write down in my notes what she gave it. Uh, Get Out, the 2017 film, Get Out, the uh, Jordan Peele film, she gave 2 out of 5. I do, I do want to point out, I, so I, I pointed out specifically Get Out 1, I loved it, but I'm not going to be crazy because I try to be very objective in my in my talk about films and like the difference between if I love them, whether I think they were good, whether critics love them, whether audiences love them. Sort of the different ways to look at films. Uh, but I think I think Get Out one, I loved Get Out. Two, I think Get Out was a very good movie. Three, uh, Get Out was ninety eight. It, it still is as of right now. It is ninety eight percent. Fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, on the Rotten Tomato meter. So, Monica Reed was a little off with that one, I feel, in her review. However, I feel like all the others are pretty consistent with what the other uh, reputable critics are are saying. I didn't see all of those movies. Uh, First Cow is a, a A24 film. I haven't seen it, but when I've done lists, and I, I don't think I've done it on the podcast, but when I've just been looking up for my own enjoyment, because I actually just do love lists myself, sort of uh, good A24 films that you might not have seen, or the list of the best A24 films, which maybe we'll talk about sometime on this podcast, but uh, First Cow was rated pretty highly on that, and it got a 4.5 out of 5 from Monica. So I think, I think she's probably a pretty good film critic. I don't know what the standard is for how she reviews films for uh, Far Out Magazine. I think it would be interesting to know whether she sees these films before the film comes out and then she has an opportunity to read what other critics think. Um, and I'm not accusing her of doing that at all. Uh, I would never want to slander anybody uh, in in my podcast. Um but I just don't know, too. Okay, there's also a level of me that's just curious about, like, uh, you know, what does somebody that is a a to Rotten Tomato Meter approved critic in a non that writes for a non Tomato Meter approved publication? What is everybody's standard for what is a film critic? I mean, you're a film critic. I'm a film critic. I'm I'm giving the ultimate criticism, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Uh, we're, we're critically looking at Silver Linings Playbook because I created a whole podcast to talk about everything that could possibly have to do anything with it. Uh, I'll say, um, I am, I found something a little disturbing, slightly disturbing in some of Monica Reed's older work. Uh, we'll... We'll, we'll look into what I found. Okay, so in a 2016 review of the movie Welcome to Me, this is an excerpt from her review for um, Up, what it, what it, from Far Out Magazine. 
I did a word search to see, or not, not a word search. I literally searched for if there was a review of Silver Linings Playbook from Far Out Magazine, because I think that's one of the best gauges of how valid a film review department of a publication would be. It's the perfect gauge film because it's a perfect film that we got into this whole line of of talking because it's a movie that uh, audiences loved and critics didn't love enough. You could say they loved it. It does very well. It's just it doesn't have that full 99 rating that I think all perfect movies do. Ones with 100 being skewed. We can get into my theories on that later. But let's let's read this excerpt from... Monica Reed's 2016 review of Welcome to Me. I don't know anything about the movie Welcome to Me, but somewhere about four paragraphs into this article that I didn't read any of the rest up for context, it says, the very popular Silver Linings playbook, for example, treated the mentally ill as individuals rather than mere diagnoses, but still suffered from a tendency to be sentimental about its characters and struggles with psychiatric disorders, which I don't think, uh, um, anybody who's watched the movie Silver Linings Playbook would be able to agree with. I'm not, again, I'm not slandering, I'm not libeling, I'm not, I'm not, I'm giving my opinion for legal purposes, this might be a parody of my opinion, but I, I, I feel like she did identify, like, yes, it does... It does treat mentally, the mentally ill as individuals rather than their mere diagnoses because um, you don't even fully know what all the different diagnoses are for the characters in, in the movie. With the tendency to be sentimental about its character struggles with psychiatric disorders, though, I mean, what, I, I would love some examples of movies that don't do that that way. And if I had read any of the sentences before or after this excerpt that was taken completely out of context, then maybe I would have some examples. But I don't right now, and so I'm choosing to take issue with this whole review based on one line. And I'm sure, I'm sure uh, Miss Monica Reed is a, a perfectly wonderful person and, and a good, good at her job because we agreed with everything else. So I'm not going to be crazy right now and discount everything. And also, also, she's a critic. It's, she's allowed to... To sort of take a swing, take a swipe, take a stab, take a bite, take a take a jab, take a low blow to to a movie. Um, maybe maybe women didn't like this movie as much as I, I don't want to make this a gender thing. But anyway, so so that I'm I'm just gonna leave that information there out on the internet on this podcast in the universe in our galaxy in the solar system on Earth and the U.S. and let you all make your own judgments or not make judgments you don't need to we don't need to judge everything something i find uh that that just really sparked my interest though i was looking for the so the reason i found that there's not an actual review for silver linings playbook the film in far out magazine itself is that they just didn't have a review of it. Now, I don't know if that's because the, the reviewers chose not to or they weren't assigned that or maybe it was a 2010 magazine and oh, actually that is part of the reason they didn't add the film cinema reviews until later when it started off. It was, we're not here to talk about the history of Far Out Magazine. You can check it out. As far as I know, I give it um, one thumb up on the Silver Linings Playcast uh, meter of how valid are you as a journalism source. One thumb up being the best because I'm not going to create a totally inflated system where I give two thumbs up myself. I feel like Siskel and Ebert really, back in the day, established the standard of two thumbs up for the best kind of movies being approved with each of the reviewers giving one thumb up. So, I, you know, if I'm the only reviewer of my podcast, the best score you could get is one thumb up. The worst score you can get is one thumb down. The most moderate score you could get is no thumbs up or down. So I, I and I, I think that's fair because really we uh, live in a world that is not full of, well, it, it's full of both binary 
choices and, and non-binary choices, but I feel like there's too many times where we feel like we can't give give binary choices. Uh, that we have there's too much variety. And I'm I think if if it's actually the book Freakonomics that talks about the paralysis that can be um, caused by too many variables and too many options that we live in a world with it it might be or not be which is part of the reason why we decided to you know reduce the scope of what we talk about on this podcast to just silver linings playbook the movie and the silver linings playbook the book content right we're not discussing every movie in the world Everything is based on what, I mean, we, we, we might mention the name of other movies. We might, yeah, because movies are movies. Like, Silver Linings Playbook wouldn't be a movie if, if the history of cinema didn't exist. Right? Like, it doesn't exist in a vacuum. People didn't just walk into these empty warehouses that, that were warehouses and then one day, for no reason at all, in, in the fall of 2011... Uh, you know, all this mysterious contraptions had been set up and, and they're like, hey, we just created something called movies and the first and only one is Silver Linings Playbook and it's based on a book which is also something that you've never heard of before because books haven't invented in this hypothetical scenario. Please sit down for two hours, watch this, tell us what you think with with no context of what this is or, or uh, you know... Um, so, so yeah, we're, we're a podcast that let's, let's find out this other thing though, that this is what I'm so excited about. I was a little less than thrilled about Monica Reed's use, just gonna, of her, her just uh, cavalier tendency to throw Silver Linings playbook under the bus every opportunity of the one opportunities that I read. So there's a different reviewer from Far Out Magazine. And his name is Callum, Calum Russell. The name is uh, spelled C-A-L-U-M Russell. I, I don't know if it's pronounced uh, Callum or Calum. I did not do as much research on Calum, which I probably should have. Uh, but I, I, it's weird. I was just not as excited. And this is this is where the bias comes in. And my, this is where we we call out our own bias because it is the best thing to help us move through our own bias. But I, I, I sort of feel like we're we're only biased in the sense of like if you I'm gonna get a little bit too too like big picture uh, um, here for a second, right? This is a podcast that is solely about Silver Linings Playbook, the movie, and the Silver Linings Playbook, the book. Right? So if you come here, you've already made up your mind that the content you are looking for at the moment, whether it be a life decision, hopefully it's not a life decision, it's probably not even a regular decision, but, but maybe for one hour a week, there is available a source of information about Silver Linings Playbook the movie and Silver Linings Playbook the book that, that is probably going to be positive, right? Because I am not the kind of person that's going to do a podcast to tear something down every week, right? So we are biased in that, in that sense. Uh, now, if, if you take that microscope down a little bit into what we've been doing, where we're picking this movie apart, we're doing analysis, we're doing criticism, we're doing research, we're doing all this stuff about, you know, um, I, I feel like we're not biased. I mean, we're as biased as any person would be. I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, um, what was the guy, Henry Milgram? I'm not running sociological experiments on people. We're just talking movies, man. And, and I mean, man, like you, man. Generic sense, anybody, man, woman, child, um, any, any gender, any age, any minority group. Um, nobody's a minority group here because we're all one group. We're all one, we're all the silver Linings, Playcast, fans, uh, or not fans, you, you know, if you're here to, to quote um, uh, a great comedian, and I'm not trying to make this into a joke, but I think there was a lot of philosophy in what he said too, you know, uh, but to sort of paraphrase his joke into what, what the mission statement 
of the Silver Linings Playcast mm-hmm. is this podcast is for people that like Silver Linings Playbook. It's for people that hate Silver Linings Playbook. And it is people that don't feel one way or the other about Silver Linings Playbook. And if, and if you fall into any of those three categories, then guess what? You're, you're a human. And you're here on this world experiencing life just like all of us. So Callum Russell wrote this, this article in 2021, and it is an article, it is not a film review, because it, it was written uh, almost a decade after this film came out, from August issue of Far Out Magazine, uh, but the name of his article is Silver Linings Playbook, Exploring Jennifer Lawrence's Finest Role. Now, I did not actually read the contents of this article, but I will post the link to it to just say that I think it is a tragedy that Monica Reed is a tomato meter approved critic and Callum Russell is not. Now there was a super interesting list. I'm sorry that I always say super interesting uh, fact, but in Far Out Magazine, uh, there was a list called every David O. Russell film ranked in order of greatness. Every David O. Russell film ranked in order of greatness. And we're, uh, understanding what this list is. Thank you for just putting it in the title so we understand. It is a count down to the greatest David O. Russell movie. So the numbers go down, but the level of greatness of each film goes up. I, and guess who wrote this article for Far Out Magazine? That's right, people. It was Caleb Russell. I'm very uncomfortable with the fact that I've said this name way too many times and don't know how to pronounce it. So let's just start off with number nine, a 2015 film called Accidental Love. Uh, don't know anything about it. Probably could have done a little research on it. Didn't, uh, but that is the least of the great, but probably still great. I'm going to give him the credit because I think David O. Russell is a great filmmaker. Uh, movies based on greatness. Now, I, had, I take a little issue to this one, this next one. Number eight... Is I is the 2014 2004 movie I Heart Huckabees and I have a little problem that is rated eight because I like it a lot. I am being partial. I am being biased in this moment. Maybe I'm going to take back everything nice I said about Callum Russell. I'm not because this is not an I Heart Huckabees podcast. This is a Silver Linings Play book podcast. Number seven. The 2015 movie Joy. I don't have the IMDb rankings in front of me. I don't have the Rotten Tomato rankings in front of me. But I do believe, I'm remembering from my head, which is not a reliable narrator, that Joy did not have great ratings. It might have, but I think that was one of the first, um, one of the ones that sort of derailed uh, David O. Russell's run of having just all tomato positive fresh movies. Uh... And so, and also that it was ranked higher than I Heart Huckabee's. Maybe he's going off the, the, the tomato ratings, though. So this might not even be his opinion. I didn't read any of the information at the beginning of the article. I just looked at the, the lists. Um, we're going to, full disclosure there, right? So there might be, there might be some caveats if you read uh, Calum's, uh, Mr. Russell's article with all the, all the words that are posted. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's not the... That's not the order I would have rated them in, but I guess it's the order that they rated them in, and this magazine feels fine printing it, so, you know, what am I to say? Number six on account, down, up to David O. Russell's greatest works. Number six, Spanking the Monkey, a 1994 film by David O. Russell. This was his film debut. Now, earlier in this episode where I said that I had an interesting thing related to Silver Linings Playbook today, uh, that is that I found the movie and watched the whole movie, Spanking the Monkey. Um, it, uh, this is a film that was rated very highly by critics. Critics say that it is a pretty dosh garn, gosh, do, I said dosh garn, I just said dosh. Gosh darn. It's probably because I've never said that phrase before in my life. Uh, it's Gene Golly Willikers. It's a great movie, guys. Uh, according to critics. According to Rotten Tomato critics. According to IMDb critics. Uh, but audiences weren't 
weren't as enamored. They gave it fine scores. It's very average. It's it's like a three out of five. I bet Monica, Monica Reed would probably give it a three out of five, and I bet I bet Callum would give it a three out of five. I don't know. I'd actually, if you're going off the fact that that Monica is a tomato reviewer and Callum isn't, Monica probably would have given it a four point eight out of five, and Callum would have probably given it a two. Um, again, not slander, not liable. I don't know which one of those legal words is what. It's not, but it's not either of those things. Um, because they're both wonderful people. Maybe, maybe they're not, though. Also, I don't know if I'm legally liable if I say they're wonderful people and they're, like, actually terrible people and done terrible things and then I'm somehow, like, an accomplice for, oh, I was backing, like, I don't, let's, let's actually stay karma neutral on this and say I don't know whether they're wonderful or terrible people. I don't know much about them. In fact, I don't even know what they do because I haven't read the content of most of what they've published. Uh, but we, I did watch... The movie Spanking the Monkey, and it was, it was weird. It was a very '90s film, and there's some very unsettling things thematically about it. It's described as a dark comedy, and I think if you've seen any other David O. Russell's movies, you understand that. Uh, I think it might be great. I think it might be a really good movie. It was not my favorite David O. Russell movie. I wouldn't want to say that. I'm not saying like not my favorite like a nice southern way of saying I didn't like it. No, I'm just saying it's not my favorite because some of the other ones on this list are my favorite. One of them being number eight, I Heart Huckabees. Should have been way higher on it. Okay. Number five, 1996 film, Flirting with Disaster. And also, Accidental Love and Joy both came out in 2015, so the fact that he put out two movies, and they're both ranked nine and seven, uh, accidental love and joy, but maybe maybe you give him credit as a filmmaker for hey he put out <laughs> two movies that year. All right, number four, the 2013 film American Hustle. Now the fact that American Hustle is number 2013 uh, is number four on this list. Uh, I hadn't read ahead in the list at all. I just had this really strong feeling that the fighter is going to be number one. I don't I don't know why. I just um. I think, so if I, I was giving my personal rankings to the rankings of, of David O. Russell movies in the order that I think they're good, I think I would have, I would put it, um, and this is, this is not the same as the order I like. Oh, this is tough. I have a really tough time, uh, with deciding which of Silver Linings Playbook the Fighter, and American Hustle. Those are three, um, film-wise, I feel like they are all so David O. Russell. I feel like he's really coming together and figuring out, like, hey, this is me, D.O.R., this is how I make movies, this is how I write scripts, this is how I adapt screenplays, this is what I'm creating, y'all. But they're also sort of different genres too. They're appealing to different people. So how do you put one of the, one ahead of the other? Let's call them all Silver Linings Playbook just for for the time being. Uh, you know, you look a little bit back further into his career. Um, uh, he did the film Three Kings. Three Kings was a really cool movie. Um, I haven't watched it in a really long time. I'd be very interested to see how David O. Russell, I feel it is. Uh, and it, I feel like that did really well. I, I feel like that was a movie that uh, fans might like a little... I, I think fans and critics were sort of aligned in that. Nobody thought... It's not... It's not like the greatest movie of all time, but it's not bad. It's solid. It's a solid entry to have a movie like that. Um, I I think that people's criticism of Silver Linings Playbook as being a little bit too... Uh, feel goody. I feel that way towards the fighter a little bit, even though the fighter is based on a true story, too. So, of course, you're sort of just just showcasing real life and what it what it actually is. You know, I I guess that's a feeling story. And then, um, for but I just I felt like I felt like when I got to number four on this list that the fighter was going to be number one. I, I think critics just 
like a true story. They like a underdog story. They like a rags to riches story. They they like um, critics like tropes as much as they say they don't. You say you know. They're like, we want something different. And then Hollywood gives the best picture to Green Book. Now, my friend Nick has some theories on that. That, it, Like, yes, I think what I said happened a little bit in that case, but he also has some, some political conspiracy thoughts about what, what happened, why Green Book won, even though it might not have been the best film that year. And when I say political conspiracies, I'm not... That's not uh, slander. That's not libel against Nick. I do know Nick is a great person. Uh, he is a person that I would definitely go out on a limb on this podcast and say he's a good person because I know, to the best of my knowledge, he's not involved in anything that I wouldn't want to be associated with or endorsing on a podcast about Civil Linux Playbook. So, love you, bud. Um, this is... Uh, let's go down the list. Number three in the countdown to the greatest of David O. Russell's films, ranked by greatness. 2012 film, Silver Linings Playbook. The Fighter's gonna be number one. I know The Fighter's gonna be number one. The I know it so, so much, I'm not even going to finish this list. Not gonna look any further. Legitimately just wrote notes to Silver Linings Playbook because I felt like one, and it's funny, when American Hustle got four, I, I was really hoping for an SLP 2, but it's at number 3, that's the top third of, and this is, so, yeah, we're done with that list. I did watch the movie Smacking the Monkey, though, today, which I found was really interesting. Rotten Tomato, 91%. Critics. Critics gave it a 91%. Uh, audiences gave it a 55%. Now, they're... There is a discrepancy. It's sort of weird that David O. Russell's first movie would have such a discrepancy, and then, you know, flash forward 15 years later, and he's making Silver Linings Playbook, and then audiences are like, oh, bravo, this movie is wonderful. And critics are like, eh, how are we going to give it a 92% overall? Which is uh, good, but that's only 1% more than Spanking the Monkey. Okay, now the other way to look at it is David O. Russell's debut movie. This is how good of a filmmaker David O. Russell is, right? First movie he ever makes at this level. First, his, his introduction to the world as, hey, I'm here, I'm a filmmaker, I'm David O. Russell. Uh, I'm making this movie, Spanking the Monkey, Rotten Tomatoes, 91% critic rating. What a start. What a start to his career. If you don't know anything about this movie, I didn't know anything about this movie. It stars Alberta Watson, Jeremy Davies, Judette Jones, Carla Gallo. There's more people than four characters in this movie, but those are the Like, I didn't recognize any of them at first, and then when I looked into it a little more, uh, they're all very accomplished working actors who you might not know by name, but you'd probably notice know some of their faces. Um... Also, like, Jeremy Davies does a lot of TV. I haven't watched a lot of the TV that he's been in, uh, but I know he does it. Uh, Spanking the Monkey is a hard movie to find because it is not streaming on any of the subscription services. If you go on Amazon, the, the buying side of Amazon, where you actually buy physical goods, you can buy the DVD. It is at a cost of $99.75. No thank you. Um, or... Uh, on VHS, it is available for $64.98, so maybe, but I don't have a VHS player, so I think once I got a VHS player, that would actually be more expensive than just buying the DVD for $99.75. Why $0.75? Cents? I don't know. Um, but yeah, so Smack the Monkey had a Critic Tomato rating of 91% audience of 55. Silver Linings Playbook had a 92 critics and in an 86 audiences. So the audiences are a little more behind SLP, but is that 1%, is that 1% critic rating improvement for SLP worth a 31% increase in credit in audience rating? I think that really really indicates that uh, maybe maybe I mean who's who's the real critic of a film? 
right? Is it the critic who gets paid by somebody else to review a movie, or is it the person who spends their hard-earned money to watch the movie and then decides whether they like it or not and logs on to Rotten Tomatoes? I am interested in seeing the 1996 film Flirting with Disaster, which is a David O. Russell romantic comedy, I guess, or maybe it was a dark comedy, black comedy. Um, stars Ben Stiller, Lily Tomlin, Patricia Arquette, Alan Alda, Taya Leone. I did not, um, I, th I think I've heard of this, but I've never seen it. It has a Rotten Tomato critic rating of 87 and an audience rating of 69%. Nice, I know, right? That's the only, no. <laughs> um, but apparently that's pretty good. Okay, so this is uh, the, the number five... So I guess this is the, the least of his most favorite documentaries ever, and I wanted to do some research on these. What uh, Werner Herzog's favorite documentaries, number five, The Act of Killing. The 2012 documentary by Joshua Oppenheimer. Now I think, if my memory serves me correctly, that this is a heavy, heavy documentary that actually has real people being killed. I believe that it is a documentary which is... Uh, Actually, I don't know anything about it off the top of my head. Number four, Mad Masters by Gene Roach, a 1955 documentary. So he likes older things, too. Number three, The Sorrow and the Pity by Marcel Ophuls. Ophuls, 1969. Number two, Vernon, Florida by Errol Morris, 1981. So Werner's really all over the place with as far as time, but I don't know. I think all these I think all of these are about uh, humanity. I think they are all well. We'll see because number one, number one on Werner Herzog's favorite documentaries to watch is the two thousand five documentary Grizzly Man by Werner Herzog. His own movie is on his list of top favorite movies. Ha! It's the most Werner thing that could possibly be. I, I don't even know how to feel. Like, is that... Is that cheating? No, I don't think it's cheating. I, I think it's awesome. I think it's also, it's, it's an awesome move. Just be like, my favorite film uh, is the, the best documentary I've ever seen is Grizzly Man by myself, Werner Herzog. Um, did you catch that I did a little reset in that act out? Because I went a little too... Uh, uh, stereotypical, um, I did a little yellow face there. And that is probably the most cancelable thing I've ever done on this podcast. Oh, and I wasn't even trying. I was trying to do Werner Herzog, which, and here's the weird thing. I'm, I'm an Asian person, right? Why would it be inappropriate for me to do a stereotypical Asian accent uh, which was parody. I'm not slandering or libeling myself or Asian people at all, um, but nobody would be up in arms for me doing a Werner Herzog accent, which he claims is German. Um, I'm not sure anybody, I, you know, our podcast could, we could, we could stand a little heat. We don't have a lot of listeners, so if somebody wants to give us a little heat, somebody wants to take something out of context from us, I mean, this, this makes me feel like I don't, I don't know if you're aware about the news going on in the world right now. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Jimmy Carr came under fire uh, for a joke he told on his latest special, his darker material, which where uh, he he got in trouble and he's being picked. I, I think we talked about this. We talked about this a little, right? But also, like, he, we, it was taken out of the context. It was taken out of context the way I took Monica Reed out of context, where we, you know, I just I focused on one line, not even the whole paragraph of what she was saying. And then I decided, but I'm not picketing. I'm just reporting the facts according to the Silver Lining Playcast's standard of journalistic integrity, which, by the way, according to the Silver Lining Playcast's uh, journalistic integrity meter, we receive one thumb up, which is the highest rating you can get in our standard of journalistic integrity. And I feel... Like, we got a lot of 
integrity when we are reporting on this. Number 16 of USA Today's countdown of the least... No, I can't. We're not going to do that. I I did from what we had been talking about some dark stuff. We're, we're going to wrap it up right now. Uh, but uh, I had sort of been thinking about that moment we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast. We're about like, are, are we going to play into the comedy that we know we get? Here's the thing. Here's the promise I'll make to you going forward. Um, fully aware of myself that I might not remember or be able to follow this promise ever at all. But we're going to try. Um, I sort of knew that was the comedic move at the moment, right? Whether whether you found, liked it or found it funny, the, the most comedic thing to do at that moment would be like, oh, just just playing like we're, we're finishing off, we're going back to the original list. No, I know I know we were off topic a little bit for this this episode, but it's okay. I think we had some really important stuff to talk about. And I think if, if you think about it, um, like I don't, so I'm, I'm trying to, to play both sides of this right now, where I was like, I'm, I'm going to mention it. Like I'm just going into number 16 on the list of USA Today. And then I'm also going to try to backtrack myself out of it so that I'm not, and then acknowledge that it, I was doing that for comedic effect. Uh, we, that's the weird thing about this podcast, right? Like I, you know, I said at the beginning, I'm I'm a comedian. I like to I like to make jokes. I like to make people laugh. I, I want you to laugh. I want you to. Anytime you might find something funny in this podcast, which is probably rarely that you find something funny, laugh. If if you laugh, that's the right response. Never never wonder should I not be laughing or laughing at something. Like always, always laugh because laughter is healing. Whether we intended it to not be, don't worry, my feelings won't be hurt. If, if you're listening, my feelings are automatically not hurt because the most, the most hurtful thing you can do to a podcast is not listen or, or leave a bad review. That would, that would actually be probably a little more hurtful because plenty of people can turn stuff off. I turn stuff off all the time. Anyway, so next week, next week we're going to come back and we we're going to, we're going to knock out the next 16 of the the movies from that list we're not we're not going to make it a running joke uh probably i don't who knows you know you never know what what life has in store but we're not my intent in the moment is not to make it too long of a running joke that we're never going to finish this list but i just i thought this these this list of Werner herzog uh his favorite documentaries was so much more Interesting, timely, and important. Because if you also think about, like, David O. Russell's filmmaking is so philosophical. Especially, like, the, the I Heart Huckabee's Silver Linings Playbook and the, the other movies he did. Like, how... How Werner Herzog is Pat, right? Like, how... Pat Solitano is just this man that is... It's like, why can't there be a happy ending? And... Something so interesting, if you haven't watched any Werner Herzog documentaries, uh, I've, I've read a lot of articles on him. I find him fascinating, and, and it's really interesting because I think he's a very misunderstood person because he talks really dark content, and he posts a lot of things uh, that are very dark, and yet, yet I think the real critics, good critics, critics that know what they're talking about, maybe specifically documentary critics, but I mean, that specialize in documentaries or watch a lot of documentaries or even people, or maybe, maybe it's not the critics, maybe it's the audience too, because we're ultimately the ones that decide or everybody that watches anything, like you are the critic in the moment, whether you like something. And so much like Werner Herzog, Pat, uh, you know, is sort of one of those people that like in, he finds the beauty in the chaos. That's, you know, that's, that's existentialism. That's, that's, uh, Camus. That's, that's Kierkegaard. That's, that's these guys, uh, Sartre, uh, the, um, Jean-Paul Sartre that I've, I've heard really pretentious people is like, pronounced Sartre. Uh, you know, we, we're not going to be that kind of people. We, we're going to say it with the, the sort of, um, dumb, dumb first year philosophy student, uh, pronunciation. Sartre. Uh, you know, they, they're, they're philosophies of existentialism and that life is craziness. And so it, it, it rests on us to find meaning in things. And I think that's what Werner Herzog does. And I think that's what Pat Solitano does. And I think that's what Pat Peoples does in the book. Uh, and I think that's what I do 
on my playcast, and I think that's what you should do in life, because we are all people. And I know that, because you either love Silver Linings Playcast, you hate Silver Linings Playcast, or you don't have strong feelings about it one way or the other. Anyway, thanks for tuning in this week to the Silver Linings Playcast. As far as I know, it's the only podcast solely devoted to talking about Silver Linings Playbook, the movie, and the Silver Linings Playbook, the book. Uh, tune in every week or, you know, until we uh, decide that this is no longer worth doing for all the latest information on Silver Linings Playbook, the movie, and the Silver Linings Playbook, the book. And until next time, we will see you down the road and Excelsior. He's kind of crazy. She's a little insane. Keeping energy really messes with his brain. One is the forest. The other's husband is dead. That's why they're so messed up in the head. It's a silver linings play cast.